one's reality is limited by their ability to comprehend complexity. So for some, you know, reality is like, ah, it's this overwhelming cloud field type phenomenon. But understood a different way, then a reality is a paintbrush. Reality is a uh, small thing that you can observe, you can turn it over. It's not overwhelming. It is just a corporealized variable of some sort that you can kind of put away into a metaphorical shelf and put it on the shelf next to, oh, here's reality. Here's my hyperspace inspirations. Here's my design ideas. Here's my virtualizations of futures that I find interesting. Here is my construction of pasts that make me construct ever more interesting futures. You see what I'm saying? It's like reality becomes something that's just a variable within that construct. If complexification of synaptic processes becomes a, a thing, you know, and I think that a way that you're able to do that without becoming the crazy nemesis that speaks in monotone and I will rule it all type bullshit. Giant throbbing is, brain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That shit, you know, that we have this cymatic harmonic thing interacting with it cymatically will create much more resonant cymatic structures in the brain, kind of like a mycelial network. And from that place, the choices that we make will have the harmony of the music that we use to entrain our brains. Greetings, future fossils. This is Michael Garfield welcoming you to another episode of the podcast that explores our place in time. I was just on Weird Studies podcast yesterday, the recording anyway, of one of my favorite shows, and we were talking about how the so-called glass age of modernity, an age in which every interaction is mediated by the material agency of glass, be it through our screens, fiber optics, test tubes, silicon chips, whatever the case may be. It is the crystalline spheres of the pre-modern world, the transcendent of our ancestors made imminent, the invisible environment of our metamorphic age. And Weird Studies co-host podcast Phil Ford raised an interesting point where he said, isn't it funny how this visual medium, the medium of prisms and lenses and fiber optics, is bringing us out of McLuhan's Gutenberg galaxy, out of a media environment obsessed with vision and sight, and into a more immersive, multi-sensory surround. Isn't it kind of strange, paradoxical, poetic, ironic, that modernity with its obsession for the visual would carry us to its natural conclusion in a space of haptic vests and data sonification because the world is moving too fast for us to just hose it all up through our eyes. The data flow requirements of the 21st century are so intense that we need to appropriate numerous senses just to communicate about them meaningfully, which is why this part two of my lovely conversation with Onyx Ashanti is, I think, so important. Onyx is one of the most interesting, creative, and forward-thinking people in the space of augmented cognition, augmented art, as uh, Rama Allen of The Mill uh, just put it this year on his Quartz article, 
about how AI will be the artistic movement of the 21st century. Posted that in the Future Fossils Facebook group if you would like to join a conversation about that very interesting manifesto. But the point is, Onyx Ashanti, this guy lives in a cybernetic suit of his own design that allows him to communicate through fractal sounds and cymatic glyphs. A future that is beyond his or probably any of our ability to speak. We spent most of part one discussing the nature of living through exponential change and the chaos and creativity that exists at the boundary between one world age and the next. But in this one, we get a little bit more into the brass tacks, or if you will, the 3D printed resin nodes or whatever of Onyx's performance modality and how his attempts to craft a new language through what he calls sono-cybernetic enhancements exemplify a kind of prophetic take on the future of human language and communication. I really enjoyed this conversation and it has the added benefit of not having all of that crazy machine noise in the background that we did in part one. And we'll dive into that in just a moment. But first, I want to thank the three new Patreon supporters that signed up this week. Cadell Last, an old friend of mine from the Google Glass beta tester days. David Edge and Tim Fogarty. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast and its mission of creating great conversations to leave for unborn future archaeologists to make sense of our ridiculous age and of course also to help other people alive today puzzle our way through the dizzying complexity of said age patreon.com slash michael garfield is where you will find a bevy of sweet treats free goodies and an extensive patrons only feed of amazing stuff i lack sufficient linguistic finesse to discuss with you (laughs) i am more than 50 percent of my way towards the fundraising goal for patreon and every single supporter helps two dollar level five dollar level whatever i've mortared up all of the little cracks in my free time with things like a psychedelic coloring book project and new original music because I want to create lovely little things that I can give to you supporters to show my deep abiding gratitude for your help. Also, I want to give thanks to everybody who has been reviewing the podcast on iTunes. 98 reviews. Who will be number 100? Who's going to get in there and bring us to the sweet, sweet magic number? I hope it's you. And if you just happen to be 101 or 105, why, those numbers are wonderful also and should be just as satisfying for those of you who want to take your turn leaving waxing, florid, rhapsodic praise for this show, or at least a scathing damnation of what a time waster this has been for you. <laughs> Lastly, I want to sing the special praises of transhumanity.net, this show's featured sponsor. They are an extremely deep and detailed reservoir of interesting articles and conversations, philosophy, art, culture. Turns out there's a whole lot more to being more than human than you probably think. But then again, if you are listening to this episode with Onyx Ashanti, you're probably hip to the flowing plenitude of transhumanist 
creative discourse. Pop on over to transhumanity.net for more of that. Also, I have two more slots for featured sponsors, which is a patron tier on Patreon. If you know a company or private individual who is aligned with this show, email me and let me know. Futurefossilspodcast at gmail.com. Not a lot more to say leading into this one. It's a great conversation. I'm super glad you're here to listen to it. Thanks so much. Enjoy, and I'll see you next week. That's funny that, that you that you would describe that construct because after I figured out how to make the system type, you know, and it has I have a sonic relational system that associates the English alphabet with uh, with certain frequencies based on a pentatonic based on the vowels, and the design that I'm looking at is is something like that where the words are kind of played to you as these harmonic structures of varying types. It's like they can be one after the other in a linear fashion, which isn't really linear in a sonic sense. It's, it's more like explosions of sound in your ears. Like, but the idea of linear is only really kind of a designed thing. You know, I design it to sound like it's coming to me or going across, you know, that's design. But at a certain point, your brain, there is that, sub-component of alphabet and verbal and print that uh, would feed that process. But I think at a certain, and I'm feeling it right now, but I'll know more in about four or five months, that feeding that process that eventually you start thinking sonolinguistically rather than, so there is the still linguistics at its base. There is still a kind of syntax there, but I think that's transitional. I think that once the um, sonolinguistics start to take over and you start to be able to hear, like, you hear and you hear the word because the word because pops up in your head and and can't pops up. It's like once you start being able to have those words pop up from hearing these these sequences of sound, that then is where the interesting start stuff starts coming in, because then you can detach from English, you know, and you can go into, say, like with Arabic. They have little inflections that are drawn around the word around the letters which guide the mouth to form itself in a certain way. So it's very interesting to think about the types of programmatic inflections that could be put around these words to, to create greater and greater meaning. And that the way to quantify that meaning is that there is an integrated machine layer that allows you to print in 3D form that meaning, control robots of any form with that meaning, interact with visualizations with that meaning, write something that would be print with that meaning. I also think it's necessary. I think natural language, I don't know. I feel like natural language is going to end up being some kind of slang at some point, that it's going to be insufficient for describing or interacting with this moment or the moments that come after this. It's interesting you bring that up specifically because I was just hanging out with a group of friends last night who were asking, posing to this rhetorical question kind of to the group, like, do you think that speaking takes you out of presence? You know, because there's like, a, you know, you get the activity of different brain regions and blah, blah, blah. And I've noticed typically in talking, talking tends to override awareness 
unless mm-hmm. you intentionally bring them in together. And then, and then you, you remain. So there's, it was like that polarity of like speaking versus breathing, mm-hmm. you know, and like some people have horrible, this is, you know, well known that like often people with a horrible stutter can sing just fine. It's activating different modules. And so this question of like, uh, I don't know if you like ever heard that, that track by Tenacious D where, where Jack Black's talking about how he invented inward singing, you know, and then suddenly you're, he's going, ah, ah, you know, and he's singing on the in-breath. And now I'm fucking singing. Ah. And so he's, he's created that extra, you know, he's, he's communicating, but he's found the negative space and he's filled it. And then you get it. And that's, but I think it's like hard for us to wrap our heads around you know, I say us, like general modern human, that we could have a language that's in the way I think you're talking about it, like fully continuous rather than discontinuous. That it's like fluid gestures without like sentence breaks in between them. I think a lot of, especially English, I think a lot of English is is also a kind of control. Here's something that I found. The English alphabet is created of embedded Fibonacci uh, relationships. Yes. The uh, after exploring this for a bit, I found that there are five vowels, five vowels as we accept them now. You know, sometimes Y, whatever. But five vowels. All five of those vowels are odd numbers. For instance, that's interesting. Hmm. There's five of them, which is a Fibonacci value. Y falls on a an odd number, so that kind of keeps it in the game a little bit. But here's what's interesting. Between A and E is three letters. Between E and I is three letters. Between I and O is five. O and U is five. And U and the end of the alphabet wrapping right back around to the A is five letters. Right? So that would mean three and five are Fibonacci values. Right? Mm-hmm. Then there are two threes and three fives is also one of these relationships. Right. Right. And then that two and three equal five is also very interesting in the, in the realm of it, that there are 21 consonants in the alphabet and 21 is also one of these Fibonacci values. So it's just that so many of these mathematically related values, it speaks to two things. One, that there is a whole other mathematical linguistic thing at work that everything that is in the alphabet probably couldn't be any other way and that it feels to me incomplete which would make it very easy for controlling people because you've got two threes and three fives so i design one that that expands that to have five eights mm. <laughs> you see so there's groupings of well, it's not really symbols or anything. It's just dots, you know, but it's like there. So that would mean 10 vowels, two, threes, three, fives, five, eights. Right. But you're going to need more than a throat to articulate 10 vowels, aren't you? Unless you're, you're subdividing the same, like, uh, I think, I think phonetic by, continuum. I think that by using these, this prosthetic system of, of creating this sonal cybernetic uh, dimensional layer, that the exploration of sonic complexity can happen there, and then our ability to abstract features of that which can be vocalized, because there's a lot of shit that we don't, you know, mean, you know, most people, including myself, only even heard that throat singing existed in the last 10 or 15 years. 
from the internet, from YouTube. It's like, then you see people throat singing and they can sing two, three notes at the same time. You know, I didn't know that. You know, that's new for me. Somebody so, out there is throat singing and tutting at the same time. I yeah. want to meet that guy. <laughs> That'd be dope. I want to see that too. Put some 3D printed Sono cybernetic shit on that dude. See what yeah, he can do with yeah. it. Gonna, you, you see, that's one of those, oh shit, my head. I, that's the new normal yeah (laughs) oh shit (laughs) but you know what i mean it's like i feel like we the same way that we do now our technology changes us you know the media is the message in that sense you know it's like 3d printing doesn't create the message 3d printing is the message digital signal processing in real time is the message you know Everything that can be done with it is kind of a side effect that it can actually be done. And I think that from kind of going out on that limb, that fractals, 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 and then poof, singularity, you have a membrane of, because, you know, after things fractal, they kind of go out and they subdivide. And, you know, so basically what it's doing is creating a membrane. Mm, Yeah. And so that's basically like a skin. So you can imagine the core elements of a cell that fractal, fractal, fractal until it has a cell membrane. That is as porous as it wants to be. It's, you know, it can open up and let things in. It can close itself off and and protect its guts or whatever, but it fractals. So it's the same thing, I think, with language. I think that if we take these prosthetics, we go off on this limb of linguistic exploration and just go, 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 go until the complexity reaches this singularity point of like, oh, shit, what the fuck is that? Then... To even be able to describe that is going to take new vocal structures. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Richard Doyle talks about this in Darwin's Pharmacy. He's, he, he suggests that the relationship between psychedelics and the evolution of human language and, and human consciousness was that they gave us both these experiences that required a new system to describe it and they gave us the new system to describe it. Basically, like, you come back from this thing and, and you're like, oh my God, how do I explain this to you? That, like, the ineffability of it is a mm-hmm. feature. It's not a bug because it's constantly getting you to reach beyond yourself to become yeah. more eloquent, you know, to, tr- to make more of an effort to communicate this su- seemingly super relevant thing to the other members of your tribe. Yes. You know? And so, you know, like you mentioned earlier that there's something in the anxiety or the optimism of different people's approach to the future that resembles that same feeling at the beginning of a psychedelic experience. I gave a talk at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia back in February where I said, look, the, you know, Tim Leary called the internet the next LSD. He said, well, he said PCs are the next LSD. And then, you know, you got all these, you know, people like Terrence McKenna saying the next thing is the internet. And that that's a psychedelic that's acting on all of us simultaneously, but because it's operating on a planet scale, that latency is years instead of minutes, mm. you know? And so we're all, we're all coming on to this trip that's going to require all of these new systems in place in order to even begin to explain it. Because try explaining the internet to somebody in 1992 or like the World Wide Web as we know it today, right? You can't, yeah. you can't do it. It's like, you'd be like, well, it's sort of like... I'm having this experience like the, you, the people you read about on arrowid.org trying to explain their, and they would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, arrowid.what? What, 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 what? what? Well, so, I mean, so, yeah. But, but you know what's interesting in that respect is that I've thought about that as well because, like I said, when, you know, there are people who will shut down, but then there are people who will fight. There were mm. people 
who, when the newness and the inevitabilityness, <laughs> inevitabilityness of the uh, situation uh, really, for instance, there was a time when a black president was like something for movies. It was like, okay, Morgan Freeman or Tiny Lister, you know, it was a part of our mediascape, you know, oh, it would be a fine idea, maybe a hundred years. Poof, here he is. Doesn't matter whether he was groomed, whether he's a Manchurian candidate, whether he's part of the skull and bones or any of these mythologies that we place around all these things. What matters is that there it is, right? That is no longer, all of the possibility has collapsed into this moment, right? And so by the same token, it's like now we have some TV guy who has none of the things that we had been programmed to believe are criteria for that particular office and yet there he is and part of him being there is a reaction to that black guy you see so there is this fight type thing like ah i don't want i don't want the future i don't want this future i don't want you know i don't want educated black people being able to say shit to me i don't want any of that shit I don't want my I want my women in the kitchen, you know, you know, cooking and I want, you know, black people in the fields and I want Mexicans on the other side of some mythical wall that nobody's going to build because that shit's way too expensive and it's stupid. But that is a reaction to exponential change. And it's a reaction that can be gained very easily. That is this thing that it's like this thing that's happening now is being propagated very, uh, you know, they're using the same technologies to propagate these other ideas that have nothing to do with, hey, we're all friends, let's all hug and sing and all of this shit. And it's like, no, how about we don't do that? How about we just find ways to keep the structures we have or screw somebody else or whatever, right? It's not gonna work, but it is an action with that, that, that can come from exponential change as it is expressed in time space where we actually reside, you know? So it's like, I feel like those of us that feel this vibration the most strongly and have, you know, go through this filter. Like with Terrence McKenna, when I first heard him, he was able to put into words the things that I had felt, but had no language to describe. And it completely opened up my own um, linguistic uh, exploratory circuits to explore my own way of attaching linguistic meaning to these things that were going on in my processes. And, and I give myself the time to just think. I don't, I don't That's work important. Yes. So when it's time to talk, it's easier to be just puke straight in. So those of us that get it and can talk about it, it is necessary for us to talk about it, but then to reinforce what we're talking about with, uh, with action whether that's 3D printed prosthetics, whether that's, you know, they're doing it with, you know, this fascist uh, idea. It does it with fake news. It's like, oh, we need for people to not know these truths or we need to skew their opinions or we need to somehow get them to turn against people who would be their allies otherwise, you know, and we have these tools to be able to make this happen. And we've got budgets and we've got people who will fund this shit, you see? So, and it has to become art. And those of us that are artists in any way have to express this idea, however it is relevant to us, but in a sense that can be, that has a vector that is comprehensible. Mm, yeah. 
I'm not saying that like I would want to just kind of always minimize the concept of the trajectory that I see before us. I don't think that's useful. The simplification has to be easily fractalable. <laughs> you know, it can be a simple, it can be a myth. Like that's where Sun Ra comes in. He was, yeah, he yeah. was able to take the complexity of a moment and then create these myths of the altered destiny. You know, truth doesn't matter because if it did, shit wouldn't be the way that it is. That it's about the myth and it's about discipline. Who do you want to be? Who do you think yourselves to be? And what are the disciplined actions that you're taking to make that thing a reality? And using music as an aspect of reinforcing that methodology, that thing. You know, we have to like be that thing, not like Terrence McKenna. You know, he was that thing at in his era that opened people up to facets of the new age that they might not otherwise have considered in that way. I think it's our job now. And yeah. then and it will be someone else's job in the next phase. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're right in in speaking to like the task, a big part of that task seems to be the most adequate explanation or the most adequate expression of that thing is is the one that's going to click. And yet mm -hmm. that most adequate expression has to include everything that came before it. So it doesn't matter how robust, you know, how complex and intricate and even like masterful your new language is if it doesn't include music because it won't it won't fit into those physiological neurological grooves that metaphor grows out of that rhythm and that yeah. myth grows out of that metaphor and critical thought grows out of mythology and like so you have to have at the base of it you have to have the music you know it's like and i think that's that's kind of uh that's one of the more interesting things about we, you know, you're talking about the intergenerational thing, like uh, adults that look at these kids and, you know, they don't, they don't get it. They think that they're broken in some way, <laughs> you know, that it's like the music seems to be one of the strong indicators of like an intergenerational shift in that sense that yeah. like I'm always leaning on this quote by historian William Irwin Thompson, who says evil is the enunciation of the next level of order that like whatever you think is like th these kids and their noise like it's that noise is part of that pattern that you have decided to shut yourself off to. It's part of yeah, that, that larger, it makes sense. Noise, you can kind of guarantee that it's gonna, it's sensible. It contains meaning at some level and you just, you've got to be able to like take it in and like hold enough to actually see it. Yes, that's exactly it. It's like, I feel like right now, this idea of exponentiality in whatever form that takes has to be kind of deployed far and wide so that we have features that we can you know like a rock wall we've got something we can grab onto just a little bit while we figure out what this whole surfing metaphor of the exponential is that there's just like okay let me just hold on here for a second just to kind of and that's that 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 thing because like a lot of times when i'm talking to people and we start talking about the blockchain and bitcoin and all kinds of other mythological constructs that have been programmed, they've been programmed with to be afraid of, you know, they're terrified of, you know, Muslims never met a Muslim, never met anybody outside of their community, but yet they're terrified of this existential threat that has been fed to them in movies, the quote unquote news, all of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
they're already primed to be afraid and to react rather than act, right? It's really kind of like storytelling. You tell a simple story because that's what telepathy really is, is that you have the picture in your mind that you can convey and vice versa, which also means just efficient communication. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, I'll say to you know, there's someone who's super afraid of the future or, or futures or any of that stuff. And I paint a picture that what if we have another layer where we can interact with each other in this musical sense that also has this aspect of letting us hear our own heartbeats and our own walking rhythms and our own blood flow in a beautiful sense, but also in a way that doesn't allow us to always be looking at a screen and that we can communally come together and create things through just the movements of our bodies and our interactions with each other. And we can construct things together that could not be constructed any other way. And then keep painting this picture of this communal cyber blah 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 but then also being able to have an artifact that I can put in their hand and say, here, here's the first version of, of that tool. All of a sudden, they are not seeing zombie apocalypse. They are not seeing antichrists. They're not seeing fascist revolutions. They're not seeing any of that shit. They're seeing, oh shit, this is something that's right here in the same time space locale as myself as a representation of another idea. And it's like, you have that times however other many people are doing the same thing their own way, that that is what is necessary to, but and of course, there's still going to be people who hate you for that shit and blah, blah, blah. That's just, like I said, <laughs> yeah. that polarity is always there. It's never all good or all bad. Yeah, good luck you know? getting zero, zero negative comments yeah, yeah, exactly. on YouTube. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, no, it's just like resonating that idea in this larger field of ideas. We're like some kind of ant or um, a bee and our honey is technology, you know, and the ideas come from like, like if there's a memory dimension, then I feel like there's an idea dimension as well. And if ideas feel like they have a resonant host, then everything around that host, that individual, that entity, that group, whatever, starts to resonate because that idea has found a way to imprint itself into time space. You see? So it's all about the resonant ideas that kind of get imprinted at this time where everybody's freaking out that it's all coming to an end because they've been programmed that way from all the movies and the TV and the other shit that keeps telling them that it's all caving in. When it's actually, for some, caving in. And yeah. then there's also this other exponential thing that is going in the exact opposite direction. Whatever that means. Yeah, the end of <laughs> whose world? Yes. Right. Yeah, the end of what world? what are the facets of this end? What does end even mean? You know, and that there is a polar opposite to that, that maybe by recognizing, by looking at this unpalatable, this dissonant aspect of the part of the polarity, that by asking yourself, what are the opposites of this? And then seeing if those things exist. And even if that, and that might not even be something that is palatable either. Then you realize, okay, wait a minute, this isn't even a polarity. These are actually both still on the same, uh, near the same thing. So what's the real opposite? And then, you know, it's like there's a process that happens there. But, you know, if, I, I don't know. 
I think about that with identity, right? And people like getting into, you know, like gender stuff, like the male, female, you know, who's in charge. It's very clear that, you know, it, it could just swing totally the other way. And then we're all sacrificing our teenagers to the great mother again. Let's, you know, only like, and it's in a university now. You're getting graded on it. No, let's not. Like, what's the what's the other thing? And and it's funny how you know you get resistance on both sides. You know, somebody like Jordan Peterson, I guess, as one example of this. Jordan Peterson, as a sociologist, gets shit on by like people all over the place because he's pointing out the way that all of these self-declared progressive people, the content has changed, but they're they're fixed. They're holding to these same sort of like. Uh, you know, uh, witch hunt, I, you know, like identity politics, power game type shit that they're critiquing, you know, and that and just this notion of like, you know, I, I think into a sufficiently freaky future and it's like, you know, you are gene editing yourself constantly and all of this stuff is just going to seem so tragic. This idea of like, wait, you, they couldn't decide what genitals they were going to have that day what their skin color was going to be that day. So like you get privileges or you get punishments based on this shit that you can't control. And then you're going to fight for that thing. I look in the future. I'm like, okay, when do we get to start talking about what comes after identity politics when it's no longer about once we have, once we have exponentially burst out of identity politics, we have to burst out of it in such a way that is boring, that it is mundane, that our perception of that thing is no longer identity politics as the house-sized thing that I am within. It is identity politics, this thing that I'm holding in my hand and I can examine like I would examine an, a, a grapefruit or some shit. It has <laughs> identity politics, and that comes from... Uh, I, I feel, I don't know this, this could be complete bullshit, that's my disclaimer, <laughs> but I feel that that being able to perceive things, that, that synaptic complexity is something that will allow the lens of perception to be even more complex, and that one's reality is limited by their ability to comprehend complexity. Mm -hmm. You see? So... For some, you know, reality is like, ah, it's this overwhelming cloud field type phenomenon. But understood a different way, then uh, reality is a paintbrush. Reality is a, uh, is a small thing that you can observe, you can turn it over. It's not overwhelming. It is just a thing, a, a corporealized variable of some sort that you can kind of put away into a metaphorical shelf. And put it on the shelf next to, oh, here's reality. Here's my hyperspace uh, inspirations. Here's my design ideas. Here's my virtualizations of futures that I find interesting. Here is my construction of pasts that make me construct ever more interesting futures. You see what I'm saying? It's like reality becomes something that's just a variable within that construct. If complexification of synaptic processes becomes a, a thing. You know, and I think that a way that you're able to do that without becoming the crazy nemesis that speaks in monotone and I will rule it all type bullshit. Giant throbbing is, brain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That shit, you know, the dust, you know, that kind of some dune shit is that we have this cymatic harmonic thing that we have a cymatic 
or we have a harmonic brain. I feel, like I said, I don't know that shit. I feel it. But um, that interacting with it cymatically will create much more resonant cymatic structures in the brain, kind of like a mycelial network. And from that place, the choices that we make will have the harmony of the music that we use to entrain our brains. Mm. This reminds me of, uh, I was just hearing about the like gamma brainwaves and gamma brainwaves mm -hmm. being the most recently discovered, the highest frequency associated specifically with the coherent brain harmonization and with specifically the kind of brain harmonized brain activity that you see in tryptamine brains mm. like, you know somebody's on 5-meo dmt or whatever and suddenly their whole brain starts operating as a single exactly. as a, a single unit and it's because the 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 wave is fine enough that it's able to actually like correlate and connect all of this stuff it's not like these long slow brain waves that are basically too like coarse granular and too clumsy to do mm -hmm. this so you find that i imagine it's sort of like uh throwing sand on the on the bike trail you know you create that extra it's like so much easier to slip on sand you know you're creating that extra layer of just like fine particulate stuff and to bring it full circle again which you know popular pastime on this show uh the way that like uh, bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies are subdividing its unit down to the eighth decimal point so yeah. that you can send microtransactions because like you can't send you know a one like on facebook is like so much less than a penny you know it's like a, a thousandth of a thousandth of a thousandth of a penny or whatever and you can't send somebody that money but like in theory you could make money that you could and people have done it and in practice it's it's happened you know you can break it down into one iota you know and then, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. one iota is such a vanishingly small amount of money that people don't have a problem giving it to you. You know, yeah. they're just like, oh, yeah, I like your thing here. And then suddenly you have this enormous liberation of liquidity in the financial world because suddenly people can give each other these immeasurably small fractions of a thing. You know, yeah. and that, that changes everything. Yes. I mean, but we have to create working models, have to create that model, create Take that model that is perfect, with perfect being just a moment on a process trajectory. You know, perfect is not ultimate. I don't think of perfect as ultimate. You know, it's like it's just one point on a process trajectory. And then at another point, looking at the optimal state of that of that point in the trajectory, another state is perfect. Right. So we create these models of these optimal systems to the best degree of what it can be right now, not 50 years in the future, because we can't imagine that shit yet. And it will get attacked mercilessly, as we already know. I, I learned this from the MP3 wars. You know, it's like, they will, you know, here comes the legislation, here comes all this other shit. Then eventually when they realize that they can't stop it, they try to pretend like it was their idea all along <laughs> to sell out the entire record industry to Apple. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, we wanted BitTorrents all along, right? That kind of thing. So it's the same thing with these microtransactional things. It's like, put it out there, let it get attacked mercilessly in the ecosystem, and then the ways that it gets destroyed can inform how the next version is implemented. And then let it get, you know, until eventually, kind of like BitTorrent, like Bitcoin, it's unstoppable right now. 
And when it is stoppable, we will have another version that is vastly less stoppable than this one. And then it will get attacked mercilessly. And then maybe someone brings the quantum chain down. And then we will create something that is quantum mechanically, something we can't even imagine at this point. So we concentrate right now on creating that model. Like, for instance, BitTorrent, I believe, I feel, I should say, BitTorrent begat Bitcoin. Right? That's not a hard thing. I don't know that shit. I like to put that out there. I don't know that shit. I didn't, you know, that's just how I feel. Right? And then BitTorrent was pretty fucking unstoppable. Still is. Right? And so Bitcoin was based on that unstoppability. It's not BitTorrent, but as an inspiration of how to become resilient in a network society, you can tell that it took some inspiration from the win that BitTorrent represents. Yeah, totally. You see? And it has been attacked mercilessly from the moment, well, I'd say maybe the moment it was a, it was worth a dollar. I'd yeah. say it's been attacked since that moment. Yeah, Once, yeah. You know, on par with the dollar. Now... <laughs> it's eleven thousand dollars. It's crazy, but so what we have to do now, and I feel this is extremely important. Whoever we is, because it, it's really interesting with Bitcoin, with the Bitcoin community, is that we all tune into. It's like we're all working for a company that nobody, that there's no, there's nobody working for that company. Totally. Five years yeah. ago, I was saying, okay, we need a planetary cathedral building project. We need mm-hmm. something so that we get our heads out of our asses. And yeah. we start, you know, like the five minute Twitter time horizon and we start mm-hmm. looking at, okay, what are we, what are we all willing to work on that crosses cultural boundaries that, you know, people are willing to throw themselves in front of the way that people threw themselves in front of, you know, building Notre Dame or, yeah. you know, Sagrada Familia, knowing that they weren't going to live to see the completion of it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the most important part is like, what can you get behind that everyone else in the world sooner or later is going to be like, you know what, shit, I got some stake in this, and it doesn't matter that you and I would have been on opposite sides of the war 10 years ago. It looks like this, I think. It's amazing to me because it's like, I'm sure, let's say for instance, I I don't know this either, but I'll be very sure that I have probably bought something on eBay from somebody that does not like something that I represent. Yeah. Whatever it would be, that they would find issue with that. But it doesn't matter because they have the thing, I want the thing, or I have the thing and they want the thing, whichever. And we don't have to even know each other. That network allows for this to, to happen. So it's like, I think our job, the, as the ball gets passed to us, is you know there is a certain amount of conservatism that has to be had, conserve that there is a network. A network. It doesn't have to be this network. You know, but, you know, we got a taste for network society. Oh, okay. We can now from this place say, oh, I can see some of the really fucked up shit with this now that I couldn't see, say, in the 90s. And I can see some of the really amazing shit that I definitely couldn't see in the 90s. Right. And so we have this this amazing global network. Now we are in that space where it's like it's not in the future. It's our present. And from this point, we can say, ah, okay, now we need to do this with the network communally. And we have this blockchain thing to kind of protect our ability to do that. 
we can transact. We have our GitHub systems to be able to participate. We can evolve those and we can create, yeah, I mean, you know, resilience is nice, but there's also a certain amount of, like you said, like a, a planetary cathedral, an open source space program, people funded by their own Bitcoin activities to putting their own, you know, making their own moon base that is participatory and that there are ships that are built by people who are not with governments or you see what i'm saying there's all oh kinds of- did you see that nasa shut that guy down who he was a flat earth guy and he built his own rocket because he was going to try and prove the earth was flat uh, and nasa was like no you're not and it's like you should would you just let him do it just let him do yeah, it yes please let that <laughs> let that darwinian shit play itself out yeah i mean it's like the more- now, now he's now he's gonna be see the government was shutting me down <laughs> Yeah. And then it and then it completely undermines all the other more legitimate conspiracies that are that are happening. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, like I uh that that whole issue of the garage aerospace firm, you know, let it be so. Cory yeah, Doctorow's think- short story in uh the Project Hieroglyph compilation that came out is all supposed to be like uh inspiring visions of the future that's like within our reach. And he did this one called uh, The Man Who Sold the Moon, which was this guy. He's like, he, he creates one of those wind walking sculptures. I forget the, the you know, the yeah, Dutch yeah, artist yeah, yeah, who yeah, does, that. puts all that shit together. And he, he made one that has like a, like a tray and a magnifying lens on it in this story so that it, it centers tiles out of, out of like uh, dust. And mm-hmm. so he, he created this whole thing so that he could set one up at the beginning of the summer in the desert. And then his whole Burning Man camp would be ready for him to put together. And then that becomes, like an independent space venture so that they can, they can lay out all the pieces for the moon bases before anyone even gets there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, you win. I am inspired by this, <laughs> this vision, you know, and it's like all the hard work and all the failure. And he goes through all, like all the steps of like, Oh, we fucked it up. You know, oh, we ran out of money or oh, our, our, you know, the visionary died. The project <laughs> lives on. And it's just like, it's so real and it's so satisfying. And it's, it's, it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, want to, I want to see that too. I mean, I think that with, with things like that, there has to be, I think people who are sharing stuff, this is something I've have been having to think about a lot is you have to be able to share it in such a way. That's where like with Sun Ra, with the myth constructs, things like that. You have mm. to share it in such a way that each person feels that they are absorbing it, you know, that and want to, you know, it's like, it's not enough to just kind of stick it on GitHub and hope for the best. It's like, it's got to right. be something that's like, oh, wow, tiles on the moon. How can I get involved? And if it's just a check, then okay, yeah, or or just a donation, then yeah, that can work too. But if there's a way, well, download this and you're, you know, at home and you can make a mini version that you can use in your backyard. And if you have any innovations, you can feed into the process. And, you know, if you feel like it will, maybe once a month we have a raffle and we bring somebody out to the main thing. And, you know, it's like, there's like a protocol for like these ideas. So it's like, all of these grand ideas becoming like this resonant idea is the thing that can drown out all of the retarded shit uh, from uh, lesser, less concrescent ideas. Yeah. You see, loud, dumb shit, which needs no reference in the, in the realm of news and world events right now. The, the realm of loud, dumb shit, it's loud. So, of course, it's gonna, you're going to pay attention to it. Just, you know, just loud stupidity, you know, but having the concrescent idea that can 
imprint itself into now, you know, so that while all that loud shit is going on, there are people building or doing something that is amazing, you know, like lots of different things that are amazing. Not just my idea or your idea or someone else's idea, but all of those ideas in a way that supports all of our ideas happening uh, simultaneously. Like, like in all of our training of um, our programming in the media, we never thought about that one day when AI happens that we would have open source APIs into the workings of that AI. That was always supposed to be the corporation, Tyrell or whatever, you know, from our programming of how these things would work. And there is an aspect of that, of course, but there's this whole other thing that, you know, there was no Linux in any of the sci-fi before the year 2000. There was no Linux. There was no open source operating systems. There was no 3D printing for people who weren't part of a government organization or, uh, or some other shit. There were only, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking about Johnny Mnemonic and that and the telepathic dolphin and shit like that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cyberpunk is like an especially bad example of that because it's all, I mean, that one in very, you know, is explicitly about these like monolithic transnational corporations ruling everything like, like Tyrell Corporation, you know, and everyone's just like hacking away at the, at, you know, biting at its ankles kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's like we weren't programmed with the, the, with the manifestations we have now. We were programmed with all that, you know, with, with all of that monolithic patriarchal bullshit you see so it's like you know if you if you really want to uh, this is something it's an idea that i would like to be part of happening but i can't do it by myself and that is that the one example of something that had an effect on the global psyche is gay pride parades all over the world right if that type of mindset integrated itself into our daily lives like no i'm not on this fascist shit no i'm not on this other shit i'm on uh, and i'm going to be me whatever me means what is the meditation of of, of of being me in public in a way that says i am me and celebrating you know every, yes it's celebrating it that it should be a celebration every single day that that's a concrescence that's a that's a participatory peer-to-peer concrescence that those simplistic ideas they can't exist uh in that realm they can't they can't be overt i'm trying to imagine like a crypto anarchist pride parade where it's just like you know everyone's wearing like uh reflective masks <laughs> or whatever it's not you know trying to spoof those facial recognition you might, I don't know. <laughs> might not. You might not have to imagine a crypto uh, pride parade. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, somebody somebody said to me last night. You know, when they were talking about there's a bill in the House and Senate right now that would make bartering, which is currently tax exempt, a like kind exchange would become taxable, which would mean that all cryptocurrency trading and all just plain trading in the United States would suddenly become, you know, visible to the IRS and they would want your, your shit for it. And that's just, you know, nightmarish. And I was talking about this with somebody and, and my buddy said, you think about how many kids with rich parents have bought into crypto currency at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, it is one of these things that's so resonant that it crosses the, it crosses the, you know, all of these lines and it would be one, it would be a real mess 
you know, like to, to try and like poke that particular hornet's nest and like see what flies out, you know, because it's going to be everybody. Everybody's going to fly out of it. Dude, they couldn't even stop MP3s. That's a five megabytes. A, 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 a Bitcoin transaction is, is what, 32 alphanumeric characters at the most? Yeah. It's if you can't stop, if you can't stop a five megabyte uh, file format, good luck with stopping crypto. I mean, it's going to be exactly the, the MP3 wars put it out there exactly how it's going to go down. They will fight it. And you will, it's going to be SWAT team shit. Somebody might be knocking at yours or my door just for having this conversation in a, in the next six months. Because this shit hasn't really started yet. Will that shit hits 100 grand? Right, yeah. You see? Per Bitcoin. It's like, right now, billionaires are being made just because they made choices two, three years ago. So, I, I don't know. I feel like that ship is sinking because they can introduce that shit, but can they... How, how do you actually um, govern and or make that system work well, it was designed you got to make examples of people and hope that everybody else falls in line and that's that's really all you can do i think like, hey hey can you pick me up some milk on the way back from work i'll i got i'll give you one of those candy bars and if you don't report that you're gonna go to you, you know the irs are gonna get you get the fuck out of here <laughs> it's stupid totally well dude i i could go on like this forever but i i need to i need to eat some shit and yeah, uh, yeah. Get on, with it, get on with it but man holy crap this is super fun i would love to have you back on the show at some point no this was really dope I really yeah it. by the next time we talk everything will be different and this crazy future shit we're talking about will be the new normal yeah and, so you'll have to remind me of some of the shit because i'm just kind of close so yeah <laughs> absolutely man well before before we go um i i like ending every conversation with folks with an opportunity to to leave a message you know, that kind of the, the ridiculous conceit of this show is that one day somebody's not born today will be listening to it. So obviously we have no idea what kind of world they're living in. So what would you say to that person? Question or or a suggestion? No, no, I just that just kind of caught, catches me off guard real quick. I mean, um, that this that this realm that we inhabit is not the realm of the ideologies that we have been fed and that we are far more amazing than we even have concept for understanding and that trying to understand it or comprehend it, I should say, trying to comprehend it and explore it, you know, explore this time space existence for this brief time that we're here and explore novelty while helping to kind of create the basis upon which someone else will be able to explore novelty further in that fractal is like the purpose of life and that we should go into that with that mindset and it will constantly flower in front of us. Beautiful. Dude, where can I send people to check out your work? Onyx-ashanti.com. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook a lot. I haven't, I haven't blogged a lot in the last year because I've been just solidifying some conceptual stuff before i you know bleh, all this out onto the onto my blog but it does have links to my facebook to my music um if you go to my music page the one called node zero that's at the end that's the one that's kind of a timeline listing of the mutations of the systems over the last four or five years so you can hear how it was actually musical at one point and now it's like some weird you know 
some weird shit. So, you know, and you try translinguistic. Yes, translinguistic weird shit. <laughs> awesome, dude. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Future Fossils is part of the MindPod network, along with Third Eye Drops, The Astral Hustle, Synchronicity Podcast, and an oodle of other fascinating programs. I encourage you to go to mindpodnetwork.com and subscribe to them all. And stay tuned, because we have some awesome episodes coming up on Future Fossils. But for now, may your now be exquisite, long, and wonderful. 